Welcome to the Broken Metatarsal. My name's Rich Williams and this is a brand new podcast from Planet Football. Where we'll begin by celebrating everything that Naughty's football had to offer. A decade of football in brilliance, the Battle of the Buffet and some very well documented broken metatarsals. If you love that decade as much as we do, then you're in the right place. We should probably introduce ourselves, so welcome along to the Stoke supporting Planet Football editor who often daydreams about his team's magnificent double winning auto windscreen shield trophies. It's Mark Holmes, everybody. Yep, we won it two times and not a lot of teams can say that. They can't, absolutely. They want to. That's what we all that's what we all pray it's what for. Everyone aspires to, but yeah. But we don't. Uh, Gooner and comedian from Channel 4's The Last Leg, the invincible of the bunch, Alex Brooker is here. Hello. The invincible of the bunch. Lovely title. <laughs> yeah, more a reference to Arsenal than uh, anything else, to be fair. And football commentator and European footy expert, plus writer of his own intro, Pete Farris is here as well. Hello, and it didn't take me long to put that together, I've got to say. It, was, uh, <laughs> it just seemed to sort of trip off the tongue when I was saying it. It's, it's a beauty. Uh, before we crack on, this episode is brought to you in association with our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk. And if you use the code TBMINDEX, the TBM being the broken metastasal, TBM Index uh, to trade with a £500 money back guarantee. New customers only, 18 plus, but more on that later. Before we start, uh, we must reference, because you won't be able to see this, Mark's splendid uh, attire that you're in today. This this red and white striped beauty that you're wearing right now. Absolutely, yeah. We're doing a 2000s podcast. I thought I'd wear a 1970s retro <laughs> stoke kit. It just, just makes sense. But also, as a person, you look like you're from the 1970s as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, it does, doesn't it? It looks like it's you your just vibe. I, I hear what you're saying. I've got a touch of class about me. Just a, 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 gent- like that, yeah. <laughs> a real London gentleman vibe <laughs> going on. It's the unkempt kept beard, I think he was re- referring to. What season is that then? I believe it's a 72 uh, League Cup winning team. Um, <laughs> Aside from the Autoglass Trophy, the, you know, the one we talk about. Yeah, well, that, that was a year uh, Leeds won the FA Cup, so good, good year all round for, for you and me. I think also you like you get to an age, I don't know it's just me, maybe it's you as well, where you, you start buying the retro kit. That's like your kit of choice. It was like that until this season's Arsenal kits came out and they're all absolutely mint. They're great, aren't they? Aren't yeah, they great? They, they really are, are good, though. They're Arsenal really, kits. really good kits. Well, they, it's because of the retro kits, basically, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they are, yeah, yeah. Bit of trivia for you on uh, football shirts. My first ever football shirt was a Leeds United away kit. The um, yellow, really? yellow and blue um, yeah, one from yeah, like yeah. maybe 92, 93. A top man one. The Thistle Hotels one. Oh, Thistle, that's a little bit later. Little that's bit like later. just before mid 90s. Yeah. So I've got to ask no. you why. Um, I Great asked kit. my mum to get me the Arsenal away shirt <laughs> and she saw the Leeds one in the shop and preferred the colours. <laughs> so it's the most uh, mum thing to do that, isn't it? I woke That's up, great. So I woke up on Christmas Day and was absolutely oh, no. livid. It's when I knew there wasn't a Santa. I was getting that shit. <laughs> oh, With apologies to our younger audience. If you were picking a kit then, just purely based on a beautiful kit, what kit would you go for? Borough had one mid to early 90s that had Dickens sponsorship on it and it was kind of like a deep green and black. And even though it probably looks horrible, yeah. that's one of the first kits I remember and first kits I associate with Borough. So that's the one I always go to every time, this beautiful door opening into football. Get I yourself in a room of 100,000 people and only one person will pick that middle shirt. Yeah. That's the most <laughs> and do you know what, good? That, I, that, that, that one was so important. So you get these moments, don't you? These yeah. little moments in football that you remember that the moments as you fell in love with it. And that kit, for some reason, I've got it burned into my brain, that kit. Or do any team? Inter Milan, the Ronaldo era, because I just loved Ronaldo at Inter in that stage and was just a massive Inter fan because of him. Um, and whenever I see that kit now, I just immediately picture him and the Lazio UEFA Cup final and just everything. What a player, what a team, what a kit. See, oh. mine's, a, mine's a mid-90s AC Milan kit. 
Because I was mad into because that was the thing because everyone was just watching like Italian football then weren't you so yeah, they, exactly. they were the team yeah. you supported as your second team and my, my, my folks came back from Italy and bought me a Milan kit and I wouldn't take it off mine is weird enough, mine is Juventus away oh, and weird. it was blue and yellow it was when they won the Champions oh, League yeah. that was all the Dortmund kit was the absolute Wow, if you still got that Leeds one, just change the badge on <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> you basically, you know what? Basically basically got I it. remember it buttoned up. It buttoned oh, up. Oh, I like a button yeah. there. They were yeah. rubber buttons. You know, I like a, a button yeah. collar, mate. Yeah. Right <laughs> up to the top. <laughs> Don't say it with that expression on your face. <laughs> it's weirding me out. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you, of course. Contact at planetfootball.com is the place to go. Contact at planetfootball.com if you want to email us. And uh, if you are tweeting through uh, our Twitter handle, Mark from Planet Football will tell you is not at Planet Football. It is. Planet football because uh, you know Portuguese and all that. That's what we're all about. And someone and else has got the, someone else has got planet yeah, football. Yeah, we don't mention. I that. love the podcast as an enemy already. Each episode <laughs> will be digging into one element that might not make the edit uh, of the notice <laughs> from the sublime to the ridiculous today. Do. One of the most successful managers to ever grace world football, a man who has managed some of the top teams in the world. It's the special one. It's Jose Mourinho. Please don't call me arrogant because what I'm saying is true. I'm European champion, so I'm not one of of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. The men from the King's Road are the kings of English football. I've got a confession to make, Rich. I like Chelsea. I've always liked Chelsea. Get out. And I, d- I don't get why class roots, I'm the it? only get person out. that seems to think this. But in the mid-90s, everyone talks about the Borough team, which was fantastic. But also, ch- that, that Chelsea team with Viali, Di Matteo, Zola, that was amazing. Like From my point of view, we were in the second tier at the time. You know, you'd, you'd watch the Premier League. And that was just a team to get excited about. And then you just had a run of managers who were just really likeable, I thought. You know, Hullet, Viali... Uh, Ranieri in particular and then Mourinho when he first come was just amazing I absolutely loved him the press conferences all the shit hours he was up to the, the, the football they played I think that was a really exciting and interesting Chelsea team just everything about it I loved it the football they played was efficient it was it, yeah, but they, they had like Duff and, they, Duff and Robin. Duff and Robin, and it, was, it was good football. But Lampard, they, I think, scored 19 goals It was season. good, it was good. But it was a machine, it yeah. wasn't like... Uh, it wasn't like Arsenal. It wasn't Arsenal. Oh, was here it? we go. But it wasn't, and Arsenal was beautiful to watch. Chelsea was like, they're, they're like an efficient side. They didn't like tonk loads of people like 6 or 7 nil. They didn't go 4 nil up in 10 I minutes. Lo- they grind teams down and they were just really tight at the back as well. I will say that part of my love for that Chelsea team was that they were absolutely amazing on Pro Evo. <laughs> you know, Pro Evo yeah, team. They were. And that helps, doesn't it? <laughs> when, when you just think about Mourinho and obviously he comes over, he's, he's won the, the Champions League with Porto. He comes over to, to Chelsea. There's that, that press conference. He calls himself the special one and he says, I'm not arrogant, but basically I, I am. I mean, everyone at that point did love him a bit, I, didn't they? I yeah. He was him. great, he, great value. Went storming down the touchline as Porto manager against United. I thought, this bloke's an absolute legend. <laughs> Hope he comes to manage over here. And like, when he went to Chelsea, you got to be in mind that Chelsea had had a bit of money the year before. Yeah. So the Abramovich money had came in the year before and they'd spent it, but it, like they'd done well, but they still didn't seem like a threat. And then Mourinho came in and they just, all straight away, they just looked so good. Like, so good. I mean, even Drogba at the start, who hadn't been amazing. They paid a lot of money for him. 
it hadn't been amazing. Then he came good, and he was just incredible. They were. Do you know what they didn't side. actually? Because like you say, Ranieri had had a season of the money, and and he brought in you know Veron, Crespo, Makaleli, Duff, those kind of players. That was the first splurge. Mourinho didn't actually buy that many players. He brought in Carvalho, who was obviously phenomenal alongside yeah, yeah. Tofu, Ferreira right back, Czech turned out to be phenomenal. Robin, who have mentioned Kesman. Let's not mention him and Drogba and Thiago. So he didn't go absolutely crazy in terms of you know bringing players in. Well, I think and when you look at it back then, they still spent more than anyone else, didn't they? I'm sure they will have done, but you know it, it wasn't kid in a sweet shop stuff. It was from day one. He, I think yeah. he spoke about liking a small squad. Well, I suppose you look at it and you think about until the previous season, how many people had heard of Carvalho and Ferreira and exactly, Thiago, yeah. and even Drogba had only had. I think he. He was quite good in like Eurofa Cup. He had a I phenomenal season. What, what before, I really yeah. liked about that signing players like Carvalho, um, going back to the first press conference, Ranieri had had a pop at him, hadn't he? And said, um, basically, you've done it in Portugal, but can you translate to, to the Premier League? And he said, well, I've just won the Champions League, Eurofa Cup the year before. We did have to beat some other teams from different different countries, including ones from Italy and, and, and England, uh, Mr. Ranieri. And I love that beef between, which still goes on to this day, doesn't it? But yeah, then to sign like Carvalho, and say, okay, he's a guy I'm bringing over from Portugal. He's he's the main man. It wasn't like Veron and Crespo. He knew what he wanted. He knew exactly what he needed for the team. Went out and got him, and it was just a phenomenal team, pretty much straight away. Do you think Mourinho is like the first, was the first box office manager? None had made quite the splash that he did. I think of the new era. Yeah, I think he started because you say Clough. He was a different. You say Clough, and then even then before that in the Premier League, you've started Ferguson, you've started Wenger, you've started some huge names managing in there. But he was. He was part of what ushered in this whole new part of what football has become to this day. And yeah, when he came, this breath of fresh air, this kind of foreign arrogant, this just this incredible man who was right in everything he said. That was the other thing about Mourinho. Yeah. It wasn't just that he was being cocky. He was right. You know, I made Porto champions. Yeah. I have done incredible things. I am going to be very good and here. And then all his bold claims, he then went and backed up. Exactly. He did all of this. He he was laughy. He was smiley. Even after that press conference, he was in a, a fairly cheery mood. He was all of these amazing things that we hadn't really had here. And certainly, uh, I think... Is that an ice cream van outside? So, yeah, that's actually is that Mourinho a, now. He's, just a, <laughs> he's a lot cheerier again. It's, yeah. it's good, yeah. I never thought that we would be interrupted by an ice cream van. Does anyone want one? Yeah. Also, was that really like a, oh, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. Was that like a sort of electro... Like, what was that? Like, I've never heard that from oh, ice cream van Oh, that's the, the ice cream van, isn't it, that doesn't sell ice creams? Yeah, that'd be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mate. That'd be why, Mark. I've never heard it. Um, with, with Mourinho... <laughs> You talk about him being the first box office... So I'm just thinking of a 99 with a flake now. I can't even concentrate (laughs) on anything else. You talk about Mourinho being the first box office manager. What he was, or in my head, what he started was manager rivalries. We had, obviously, Ferguson v. Wenger, but there was a respect there. He come in, and straight away with Ranieri, he just had that beef of everyone, and he was just a bit of a shit house. But it was brilliant, because it was new, and we'd not seen that before. And he was enjoying himself. He was loving it. It was was like that. And I remember, like, the early games, even when, like, Mourinho first come, like... You kind of got the impression that Chelsea were getting better than yeah. Arsenal, and I think that's where obviously Wenger was kind of all nice. They were all, it was all kind of nice and respectful. But as soon as he, he kind of realised they were getting a bit better, I think Mourinho knew he could make Chelsea better than that Arsenal team. I think he knew he had the resources, which happens when you have a billionaire owner. <laughs> you, don't, you don't do football um, the right way, but that's fine. 
Definitely no, no hint of bitterness there. <laughs> well, they were a great side. They were really good. Oh, it's just like Idega Johnson. Yeah, me too. The Iceman, the friend celebration as well. Yeah. And he was, it's, you can't underplay his role in that Mourinho's first season. He no, was unbelievable good Johnson when Mourinho first yeah. came in. He, he drove things. He was incredible that year. Yeah, he got the, he got 16 goals in all competitions that season, same as Drogba. So, um yeah, you forget that he was a massive part of the Mourinho era, but he was. It was also good from an England point of view because like John Terry became just like this incredible defender. And, you know, Lampard was there. He was there. What was he, their top scorer? Yeah. Was he? And it was just like, you felt like this is really good for, for, for England. I think the bitterness from Arsenal fans comes from the fact, not only did they get better than us, but they also had Ashley Cole of us. Well, back in the day, everyone, I think, dreamed of Mourinho becoming an England manager, didn't they? Because he, yeah. he seemed yeah, to yeah, just yeah. love English football, loved everything about it, the passion, the clubs, the rivalries, the manager. You're right, they did. Everyone's like, why can't he just... Yeah. As soon as he left Chelsea, it's like, just get him in as England manager. But didn't he always say, I only want to manage Portugal? Like, didn't he pretty much from the start always just go, I only, if I manage a national team, I just want to manage Portugal? I can't remember, but it just sums up the feeling... For Mourinho back then, oh, yeah. from neutrals, that just that just wouldn't happen now. It's just a completely different you know, opinion towards him. And it? all the journalists fell about after him, didn't they? They loved him because he'd give him a good quote, yeah. and they just all. I found it found it very sickly, if I'm honest. But well, it's the same with Wenger over the years. He he was always brilliant with journalists, and yeah. you get a line out of him. And Mourinho come in, and whereas Wenger would would have you know his kind of lines, Mourinho lines, it'd just be a bomb in every single. Yeah. Every single Saturday morning paper, Friday morning, every time his press conference, it'd be back page. Mourinho said something, and he just loved it. He he's loved he's, he's, he's your next. he's your like archetypal mic drop kind of manager, isn't he it? Is. You know, he'll go in there, just say something. He's pro- knows what he's going to say, knows the reaction he's going to get from it as well, gets the reaction, and he just just revels in With it that as well. Slight smirk yeah, on he, his he, face. He knows he's that kind of person. He had that thing as well where. He seemed like he was like the player's mate as well. Like Klopp's got it big time. Yeah. He'd go on the pitch, yeah. like Ferguson. He was like, he was kind of, Ferguson was like kind of like a father figure to his yeah, players. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Mourinho it is kind of like that Klopp, like Pep has. It's like he's their little pal, isn't it? Yeah. He'd go in and he'd celebrate with them. And Lampard and Terry were always like his little his boys. Yeah, they his were boys. always his boys. Drogba. One of his boys. Well, let's find out more about Jose Mourinho now as we speak to someone who was in the squad at the time, played one full game and a couple of minutes right at the end of the season under Jose. A young player at the time, we caught up with Stephen Watt. Stephen Watt, welcome to the Broken Metatarsal. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. What was going through your mind when you heard Jose was coming in? What did you know about him and, and what was that time like? I remember that part uh, quite well. We'd left, obviously, for our summer break. You're going away thinking, oh, well, if, if players do move on, you, as, as, as a youngster, you can have a good chance here. And then you see the signings that start to bring in. Um, when Mourinho comes in, you, it's, it's a lot of excitement, really. He's a, he's a manager, just came off, obviously, the success he had at Porto. And um, so I'm just really intrigued to see what he would be like. He's obviously been working down, under Ranieri there for a few years. Yeah, it was quite different, really, to, to, to see the difference between the two managers um, when they finally got to work. I mean, one thing he did when he first came in is all of us youth team and the guys, we all trained together. So he had a look at the whole, if you like, playing squad at, at such a, at one time. Um, obviously, it had just been the Euros at the time. So a lot of the players that that were playing in the Euros had a little bit extra time off. But those players that had speak to other first team players and had a good training was a lot of them came back early to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Obviously things went really, really well for him in that first period there. And I think it was it started off on the right foot for him with how he approached it. 
When he when he comes in, obviously, Stephen, you, you say as we all did, we saw that incredible touchline charge against uh, Manchester United, all the celebrations. But you've got a manager who, in his opening press conference, sits down and says, "I am the special one. Please don't think me arrogant." What are you all thinking at that point? I mean, you, you know what he's what success he's had, but you all go in. What is this bloke? <laughs> I, I don't think so, if I'm being honest. I mean, I remember we were at first meeting at the ground and he made a big point in that meeting to say how, like, at home, we don't lose games at home. He made a, it was one of the first things he, he said in this meeting that he, he believed in, like, if to be successful, you've got to make your home ground a fortress and that old cliche, if you like. But mm. obviously, he went on, I mean, I can't remember the official... Um, amount of games at home against Chelsea, he was unbeaten. You know, it's a bit, it's the first thing he walked through the door, and he wanted, he wanted to happen. But I think when you meet him, you obviously look at it. And I'm, I've always been a person, a player, that you don't judge someone until you've, you've worked with them, until you've, you've spoken to them face to face to get a, a feel for him. And I think as soon as he came in and the way he was, everyone bought into what he was about straight away. There was no question marks over him, if you like, in terms of the, the squad at all. And uh, as I said, he was he was honest. He was up front. He knew what he wanted. Um, he had a good, very very good sense of humour as well. Um, and I think, that, as I said, uh, he was just he was just a player, a manager you wanted to play for, you know. And, I th- and that was from day one. I think he just gave up a good vibe. You know, I want to play for him. I want to do everything I can for him. I think you looked at that squad and and what they achieved. Every player was on board with him and and give everything for him as a manager. I get the impression, Stephen, that. Jose in the media is very different to Jose in the dressing room. I mean, over all the years he's been managing, there aren't many players who've got a bad word to say about him. He seems like one of the lads, really. No, he is. That's that's the thing I'd say about him. I think he takes as much pressure off the players as he can. I think even you look through that period at Chelsea, I mean, a lot of the talk was about him. No one really talked about the team and what they were doing and what they should have been doing. It was all about Mourinho. And I think he removes pressure from players and... As long as you were out on a Saturday and you give everything you could and you did everything you could for him, he was happy. You know, I think when he felt like he'd been let down by players, obviously, he, he wasn't happy. And, but his attention to detail and things was was second to none. And I don't think it's a coincidence where you look at the people that have worked with him and the background staff have gone on to be successful managers. And Stephen, of course, he he gave you the opportunity in the FA Cup against Scunthorpe. You had to wait a little bit, but then you got that opportunity in a a 3-1 win. We we spoke to um, uh, Graeme Stacker on our uh, podcast about the Invincibles, and he was saying when he found out he was going to play for the first time for Arsene Wenger, he was almost shaking when he found out that news. How did you find out that news, and how did you feel knowing that Jose had put the faith in you? It was the most bizarre conversation. <laughs> There's actually stood in the in the queue to get my lunch, and I got a tap into my shoulder. It, it was obviously the, it was a boss. He was, he's like Steve. Um, you got any plans this weekend? And I was no. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, um, do you want to do you want to play for me? Yeah, okay. And he went okay, and he walked off. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> was he expecting I mean, you to I, say you were going to I the cinema that. or something? Well, I don't know. I but, but again, I put, I put it down to him as he's telling a young kid he's going to play. He doesn't want to call him in his office. I, I don't know. I've never to the bottom of it. I, I, well, maybe that's just why he just did it off the cuff. I don't know. But I didn't know I was playing. I just thought I was going to be involved. So then I've, I've run my agent at the time, who was um, John Terry's agent at the time, Aaron Lincoln, who was like, I said, no, so I think... I think I'm involved with the Saturday, so let me run, let me ring JT, and he rung JT, and JT's like, no, no, and then he obviously run, but JT told him, no, I'm starting. If they just think the way he went about it with a young kid, it was just relaxed. You know, there was no big meeting in a room with me, but I maybe maybe would have been felt differently. But then, 
I think because you dealt with that, I just treated it like any other game. Yeah, I'll never forget that day. It's got tapped in the shoulder in the canteen and asked if well, I had any plans if I wanted to play. And it's not and just yeah. that though, Stephen, is it? It's he actually came out actively after the game and was really publicly positive about about your performance as well. That was it. You know, as I said, I think he's not a player. I don't think he's the type of person. Even if he had a bad game, he'd come out and say negative things about you. You would keep it all in house anyway. But mm. like I said, yeah, it was good to hear positive things. And I was at a fifth choice centre half. I knew my future probably didn't lie there, if you like, because of the quality and the size of the club. It was a great time there with him, and they said it was, it was good to hear a manager that talk positively about you after performance as well. Stephen, I might be wrong, but I, I would assume that, that was perhaps the first time you were involved in, in a team meeting, a pre-match meeting before the Scunthorpe game. Even for a game like that, um, that obviously Chelsea were expected to win, how detailed how detailed was this? You know, was I was, his instructions? I, I, I was, I'm sure I was involved before then. I mean, his detail in the meetings is like no stones on time. You're playing Scunthorpe and FA Cup for that game in particular. He's got clips of him. You're sitting there, you're watching he's got the last starting 11 up he's got the height that of the starting 11 the weight of the, each player in that starting 11 so everything there's no stone on time you would have everything broke down set pieces their strengths their weaknesses where we can exploit him everything I remember that, that trip we went to Barcelona we, he'd give every player a booklet maybe three four pages long just for stuff with Barcelona just for us to read in the hotel room I remember I'm saying at the time no one put this in the bin if you don't want it give it back to me or one of the staff but don't put the bin because Barcelona have people working in this in this hotel and we'll take it. So he didn't want you leaving it out in your room while you go out because you've got a cleaner coming and take it and give it to them. So I said he was very detailed and probably very paranoid about about teams getting information about what he was planning to do, if you like. I would imagine I wouldn't want to be on the end of a Jose Mourinho bollocking, uh, but, <laughs> but I, presumably some of those were dished now. What was that like, you know, when it came down to actually him getting his point across and stuff? You, you wouldn't want to be on the wrong end of it, would you? The only one, if you like, I sat in, after we lost to Barcelona, 2-1 in Barcelona, and we flew back, obviously, after the game, and we had a meeting on the, on a, everyone who was there had a meeting on a Wednesday. And he, we sat down in the meeting room, and obviously, Jose stood up and said what he thought about the game and that. And then he went through every player that played Oof. and told them and told them what he thought. Like, not not shouting, not not raising a voice at all. Some harsh assessments, some fair assessments, but just what you thought. But then at the end of it, he turned and said, he said, we should have a relationship where I can say what I think, you guys can say what you think. And then he opened up a room for the boys to come back to, to, to him about maybe what they could have done. Do you remember who was the first to say something? Because you've got to, got to have some guts to be the first one to say, do you know what, Jose? Thanks for opening it up. Because, uh, I was, I was going to say that I wasn't quite happy with I your tactics. Some notes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Frank was one of the first ones to put his hand up. I'd imagine Frank would have been one of the first to say something like so that's what I'm thinking it maybe was Lance but that's a type of relationship he had with that squad I'm sure different squads he's not had that that kind of relationship with then again I suppose he was maybe still learning himself if you like at that level obviously your personal achievements in the game came, came later after you'd left Chelsea but ultimately you know you were on the pitch when the whistle went at the end of that first season. Yeah, it was only a couple of minutes, but, you know, that's a couple more minutes than anyone else in this studio. How highly do you rate that, just being involved uh, in that era uh, among your achievements? You know, it's a good question I've been asked because a lot, a lot of people in that time, so if I'd been at another Premier League club, I may have got more of a chance and played more games and, and if you like, maybe gone on to have a more successful career if, if, if people uh, like to say that. But the way I look at it is, I just look like really fortunate, really lucky to be at that club at that time. I always say if, I, if I'd gone somewhere else, I wouldn't have been part of these Champions League nights where the the big bust up in Barcelona, where I was in, in, I was actually in the tunnel when it all kicked off. 
that experience as I had there and things I went through there that no one can take away from me. And it's, it's, it is irreplaceable. And like I said, I'm thankful for everyone there. And that, that bust up in Barcelona in the tunnel, you, you had a little chuckle to yourself when you, when you mentioned that. Your memories of that, when that's all kicking off, I mean, were a, a very famous, very famous night there. From your perspective in the tunnel, watching it all going on, what, what are you thinking to yourself? I don't, I don't know how it all started, but so you just try and get in between people and just try and get it to stop, you know, and then you're going to change them afterwards. And then Mourinho actually says to Drogba in at, in at half time, you will get sent off tonight. Do not touch anyone. He's going to send you up and they get sent off after five, 10 minutes. In the second <laughs> half or whatever it was. You know, like it's, 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 it's one of them that looking back at it now, where you are in your life now, thinking at one stage I was obviously warming up in a new camp and then involved in breaking up a scuffle between staff and in, in, in a tunnel at half time. <laughs> We're just saying chuckle now where it's funny. I look back at it. You just laughed yourself. There's some great stories at the time there. Is, yeah, is there one that back. really stands out for you? I mean, it, there must have been so much going on there. Is there one that you look back and think, yeah, that's that's the story that typifies that era, that time? I remember one time the boys strapped or taped Monsieur Bill Blood to Mourinho's um, chair in his office at Harlan when he was first weeks of that at the club. And then obviously left him in a room for Mourinho to come in the room and I think Mourinho just wheeled him out and wheeled him down a corridor and left him. <laughs> you know, like, you know, just little, little silly, silly stories. Obviously, I think Mourinho's come out and said about the time where they put him in the, the kit basket the, when he was meant to yeah. be banned from the dress. Like, obviously, I was, I was there when that happened. And Did he pop out? Part. I imagine he sort of popped out like a jack-in-the-box. Oh, what? No, well, he well, he was in the locked. Like I was, I was, I was part of that squad for that for that um, Champions League. And it was Bayern Munich home. We won four two. I think Lampard scored up unbelievable at yeah. half volley. He was in the kit room in the changing room hours and hours before kickoff, and then locked in there when they came in and checked the dressing room. Then he popped out and then said his bit before a game. Locked him back in. They came and checked again. You know, it was <laughs> it's quite comical, really. And then, obviously, he was there watching a the game where he'd been in the change room the whole time, communicating to people. So it's good. There's good times. I'm just grateful I was able to be part of. What have you learned, I suppose, specifically from Jose that you've taken into management yourself? Obviously, you know, you're over at Hyatt, as you say now. That preparation. Can't take any team for granted You can, on any given day. You know, it's, it's something I look at now. I always try and prepare my teams as best I can for what they're going to be coming up against. That attention to detail and if you like that man management and care for your players because at the end of the day, even as managers, you, you could be the best manager in the world but at the end of the day, you are, you're only as good as your players are going to be and get the best out of those individuals. And you're not tying any staff members to chairs either and they're willing down the corridor are you down there at Hive? Well, players at the minute it's not done that to me but <laughs> if that did happen to me, I probably would just wheel them down a corridor, yeah, and, and, and leave them to it as well. Just check in. Hey, Stephen, so nice uh, speaking to you. Thank you for joining us on the Broken Metatarsal. No problem. So it's the Broken Metatarsal. We are, of course, talking about the special one. Stephen touched on that Bayern Munich story, but Mark, I know you've got a whole article dedicated to this on the Planet Football website. So for those less familiar with what happened, how did it all come about? So if you remember um, the Barcelona game, um, in the Champions League, Chelsea lost, and it was really controversial. And Mourinho claimed afterwards that um, Frank Rijkaard had, had visited the referee's room, claiming, you know, he's influenced in the rest of it. So he got he got a ban. He got a stadium touchline ban for that. Later denied it ever happened, and I don't think it actually did. It was just him again, just putting pressure and doing his thing. But then the quarterfinal against Bayern Munich, so he had a stadium ban. 
And uh, it was at Stamford Bridge. It's obviously he, he was nowhere to be seen in terms of what we could see. And he was apparently he was watching it in a, in a nearby leisure centre. That was the that was the line. <laughs> and uh, there were strict conditions that not only could he not be there, he couldn't speak to his coaches. He couldn't, you know, pass on messages and that kind of thing. But the assistant manager, we refer to, um, he had a, a beanie hat on, and people later went through the photos and, and found out that he'd never, ever worn a beanie hat or any sort of hat before or after that game. And, of course, he, he's tugging at his ear a lot, and the story goes that he had an earpiece in. Now, also, the goalkeeper coach, he kept on going down the tunnel carrying pieces of paper. It was three separate occasions he did it. Um, and then he come back, and Chelsea made three subs. So people think, what the hell is going on there? Where, where is Mourinho? And it, <laughs> Every it, time he has a shit, they make a sub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's yeah. just had a... And it's the keeper coach. And he comes back, I've had a thought. I've had a thought, lads. This is what we should do. Loo, where you, it's where you do your best it's contemplation. Where you thinking, yeah, so. yeah. And, um, and, and basically, it turned out, he'd actually hid in a laundry basket and was sort of being wheeled around the corridors, and then everyone would go out pitch side and he would he would come out he would be communicating with Rufa Reed the keeper coach would come in do this do that do that and uh, yeah of course then 10 minutes before the end he gets wheeled back out goes back to the leisure centre what, what are you talking about lads have been in the entire time it's like a giant laundry basket I'm, I'm imagining like a kind of wheelie bin size well, we've uh, all seen films with people hiding yeah. in laundry baskets just like one, sure. those, one of those tiny house laundry baskets where it's just like <laughs> crumbled up with just his head out the top I imagine like because they'd have had to put some clothes over it yeah so do you reckon it was like like dirty laundry. Yeah, he's just like, God, Makalele socks, fucking stinking. Oh, I've got Terry's Grundies on me. Yeah? There's, like a, there's like a picture on the side of like the like the laundry man's face, and they've just cut the eyes out of Mourinho, just looking through, just looking just... through, making messages. So that's the story. Then he I was in the he was in the laundry basket. You could do it on Snapchat, couldn't you? Just send the messages yeah. in, so with, with yeah. bunny bunny ear filters. It'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it, than having to go to uh, to that extent? But but a manager like that, you know, as a player, if you think your manager is going to go to those extreme lengths. As a player, presumably all you want is a manager who wants to win at all costs like you do. So yeah. to play under someone like that, and why the players speak about him in the better times, you know, so admirably, is because that's what you want, isn't it? That's what you want as a, it's what you want as a fan. It's the equivalent of the, you know, the footballer in your team who puts in the big tackle when you need it in the game and gets the crowd going. You know, he sort of does that as a manager. He gets you going because you just think he's given 150% for you. Well, think about in your your group of mates. There's like there's a there's a mate who's really funny, or there's a mate who's like that's me, thank mate. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> I said that knowingly teeing that up to see what would happen. I was really interested to see what the dynamic would be on, there. Which, the, which of the other mates you're going to talk about? Let's yeah. see. What but else but like, but like, you've, you've got someone in there who's really funny, and that binds the group. Or there's there's someone who you know you're all rooting behind, and that binds the group. And if all the players are going, this guy's like in a laundry basket. Not just the kind of this guy wants to do anything to win. It's also this guy's a maniac and it's brilliant. That binds you, doesn't it? But yeah. you mentioned earlier as well, Alex, you know, about the, about when you saw him for Porto running down the touchline at yeah. Old, Old Trafford, you're thinking, oh, you, you love that from Magic. I mean, he did that again against Liverpool, though, didn't yeah. he? He's going, it's in the FA Cup, isn't he? He's shushing when they score the goal. He's shushing the crowd. He gets escorted off. But I want to see that in my manager. I think it's amazing, amazing as a fan. If you see a manager, or when you see managers or players reacting like, like you, you would, you yeah. would, and I think that, that it connects you so much. Yeah. Turns out we all love Jose Mourinho. We all love Mourinho. Who knew it? The worst thing about Mourinho for me is that my father-in-law is a Chelsea fan. So he provided my father-in-law years yeah. of ability to, uh, to, <laughs> to, to just have the upper hand. So that's the, <laughs> the one thing that I would say. But uh, yeah, there you go. The special one on the broken metatarsal. Uh, before we wrap up, we, uh, we'll do a bit of footballing fact, footballing fiction. Uh, Mark, Alex and Pete all have a, a story about uh, Jose Mourinho, the special one. Uh, the question is, which one of them is correct? Which two have been totally made up? We will start with you, Mark. 
Fuck. Okay, so um, this is before Inter's Champions League final win um, over Bayern under Mourinho in 2010. Diego Melito, who, uh, who was brilliant in that campaign, he claims that before the game, he made them top up the pasta with a load of bratwurst and just said, that's what we need to do to win this game. And of course, they all followed him blindly and, and did win. Uh, Alex, what you got for us? Jose Mourinho has always refused to play chess. He's just never liked it. Just said, look, I'm not even going to entertain it. I don't like the look of it. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't mind if people want to play chess. That's... I'm not, you know, that's, that's I'm not heathen, he's not anti-chess. Um, yeah, he's not anti-chess, <laughs> he's, anti, he's, anti, he's, anti he's just um, never wanted a part of it. Okay, and, uh, and, and Pete, what have you got? Jose Mourinho once voiced the Pope in an animated film. That would be ridiculous. Jose Mourinho voiced the Pope? He did, apparently, yeah, it was like some religious story. Do you know and, what? Uh, do you know what world it was called? Some religious story. <laughs> you reckon? You know, it's pope. Was it the Exodus? Has anyone well, just? I don't that? think the Pope was in Frozen. So <laughs> was, it one, was it one of the Carry On movies? One of the later ones. <laughs> Listen, I'm just, I'm just trying to add some colour to this. All right. Right. Well, I'm discounting you straight away. Uh, let's just go back to this. this, this pastor thing. <laughs> yeah, it's some religious story. Probably one, one of those ones. One of those ones in the Bible, you know. <laughs> uh, so there you go. The special one is the Pope. Uh, I'm just, I'm just discounting that already. Uh, won't play chess. Uh, where, how has this even come up in conversation? Who cares if you won't play chess? I think they said that, like, how, you know, you must spend a lot of time uh, on, you know, on tactics because he was so tactically clever. Yeah. And it was, I think the basic, the question being posed to him that, you know, do you, you know, is that what you're into? You're into, like, kind of, you know, your battleships and... <laughs> your strategy games. Strategy games. And he just said, look, no, absolutely, it's actually, in fact, it's completely opposite. Um, I refuse to play chess because I think it all cloud my mind I need to I need to be focused on my fullbacks not my rooks, pawns rooks and knights yeah, okay so. and Mark getting the players to do something odd before the game just talk us through this pasta scenario again. so it was just it, that was just Jose you know if he felt that he needed to give his players a lift it didn't always necessarily have to be anything tactical he, he could just come up with something okay lads we're going to do this this is what we need to do to win the game and because he was so phenomenal as a manager and a coach people just followed him blindly if he said we're going to do this. They did it. And he just said, we need to have breakfast. And that was it. And that was the only explanation. Him, you all need to have breakfast on your pasta tonight. And that is going to win us the game. And they did it. And of course they won. I'm going with that. That was convincing. Absolutely not. Oh, False. no. Not the Pope, is it? It's the Pope. You're joking. <laughs> Honestly. The Pope, yeah. It's a famous Catholic story about a saint. And he was widely praised for his performance. Why would, widely uh, praised. Why, I love that. Why would Jose Mourinho be picked to voice the Pope of all people? Why wouldn't he? A special one, mate. All yeah. right, that's fair. And that's, that is a perfect place. And that is the reason why. Question answered. He is the next, special one. Next. Um, if you want to get in touch, maybe with a reason why Jose Mourinho was picked other than being the special one, uh, contact at planetfootball.com is the place to go. Thanks again to our sponsors, Football Index, the football stock market, which allows you to make the most of your football knowledge by buying shares in players you think will rise in price and win dividends for their performance on the pitch and in the media. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk. You can use our code. Yes, we have our own code, TBM Index. That's for the broken metatarsal index TBM index to trade with a £500 money back guarantee new customers only 18 plus begambleaware.co.uk contact at planetfootball.com that's it for us we're off to watch this film uh, with Jose Mourinho voicing the Pope we'll see you all next time <laughs>